Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 133 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me Bex. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Sunburnt. <laughs> Sunburnt and jet lagged. But apart from that, do, do, you want, <laughs> do you want to tell the listening public where you've been? <laughs> I have been to the much envy inducing Hawaii, <laughs> uh, which is pretty damn awesome. I've wanted to go there for an incredibly long time, uh, about so must be six, seven years since I sat in a very, very grey office and had to spend an entire winter putting together a Hawaii brochure for a, for a travel company, um, which was the most sort of depressing and awesome experience I'd had as a freelancer. Um, and I've been determined to go ever since. And now yeah. I have. And I'm, I'm suitably sunburned. It, it's absolutely beautiful. And I hadn't really realised how many movies were filmed there. Yes. Yeah. They, like, it's it's, it's massive the amount of movies. Yeah. They've got quite a big movie and TV industry there these days. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that owns a ton of land on um i think it was Kauai, the top island we spent most our time on i think he owned aol or something but he also has a big interest in a load of movie companies and things so quite a lot of stuff gets filmed on his land right so i went zip lining up in the trees and from the zip lines you could see the field where you first see the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. <laughs> awesome. Um, and you can also see on the other side uh, a field where all the people charge across in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> um, and there's the, the what used to be the gate for Jurassic Parks around there. Oh, wow. I didn't take pictures of any of these things because it's somewhat unsatisfying to look at an empty field without yes. any dinosaurs in <laughs> and two concrete pillars that once had a gate on them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's the King Kong Mountain was there. Uh, right. I walked through areas where they filmed Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, wow. Pirates of the Caribbean. And for those of you who watch TV that I don't, there's the Fantasy Island opening sequence waterfall. <laughs> right. Uh, so so that was pretty cool. Did a lot of hiking and climbing up things. Very, very Indiana Jones, climbing down actual vines and roots to get to waterfalls. Oh, wow. Dressed as Lara Croft because... <laughs> <laughs> So there'll be photos of, of that going up on, on my social media. I managed to catch one of the only bits of utter downfall, so I'm a very soggy Lara Croft. It's not, <laughs> not quite as cool as I as I wanted, but I did it, so I took the photos anyway. Yeah. But I thought that would be funny. I wanted to run around Jurassic Park dressed as Lara Croft. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I had a small little um, plastic triceratops, which was one of the original Jurassic Park toys right. that I, I had as a kid, a little baby triceratops. So, so that came around. 
with me as well. <laughs> Much to the confusion of a lot of other people, I think this girl with a plastic dinosaur on her head um, <laughs> and <laughs> sitting on waterfalls with me. Awesome. So yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. I I enjoyed it a lot. Good, good, good. Yes, I I saw you posted a few little bits of like you on the flight with your um, Lego Harley Quinn and stuff. Yep, yep. She came as well. Um, I don't know if the person who gave me that will ever have an idea how well travelled that piece of Lego is. But a <laughs> random person at Comic Con took my photo when I was dressed up as Harley Quinn and gave me that Lego minifig. And I've taken quite a shine to it. So it, it's coming around the world with me. And I don't know who they were. So they probably have no idea that this, this minifig is, is now becoming incredibly well travelled. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. Every time you go somewhere, you know, you get a photo with the minifig. I think that's that's a good idea. I like that. You've got to take mascots. It was it was a long flight. Yes. It was a long flight. And can you run out of things you want to watch on the movies? I watched mostly um, classic Marilyn Monroe films <laughs> on, on the way there because they make me happy. Yes. Um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Some Like It Hot are just absolutely classic. They were supposed to have Wonder Woman on the plane and they didn't. So I still haven't seen Wonder Woman, <laughs> which is just getting embarrassing now. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's... I spent the rest of it playing with Lego minifigs. Um, <laughs> oh dear. And, uh, yeah. re- reading uh, the Electric Dreams book as well. Oh, cool. Yes. Oh, well, I'm, I'm uh, glad yeah. you've you've uh, been working with that because that was a freebie from going for the premiere, wasn't it? So It was, and I didn't have some of the stories that were in there already. So I had that one and uh, the iRobot Asimov anthology because mentioning that when we, we talked about the, the Philip K. Dick stuff, maybe you want to read that again. So right. it's good. And you can only really deal with short stories when you're on a long plane ride. My brain doesn't function well enough for anything else. Yes, I'm, I'm a bit like that. I tend to kind of sit and um, just binge through whatever's on the uh, entertainment system you know so yeah i tried to watch fury road right and i found that watching that on a phone screen doesn't work for a number of reasons yes i can imagine Um, (laughs) so after my headache and illness because i got quite ill on the plane got really really bad i ended up watching enchanted and 17 again which will probably get me shot by a lot of my fan base Enchanted's a great film though Enchanted is a good film yeah but when people look over your shoulder and they don't know what you're watching I I think I felt like I needed to justify myself occasionally no no this is this is good I'll go back to watching Marilyn Monroe (laughs) it's like like comfort food but comfort TV Enchanted definitely Definitely. Self-referential, you know, humour is is always... Yes, yes. It's very good. So since I've been back, uh, I watched Blade Runner The Final Cut because I'd not seen that version. Right, okay. Which has the proper unicorn dream. Yes, yes, I've seen that (laughs) version. Yes, it's good. Uh, That was because I planned to go see the new one. Right. However, I fell asleep. (laughs) What a surprise. (laughs) 2.30 in the afternoon. (laughs) So didn't actually make it to the cinema, so we'll try that again next weekend. Um, Yeah, being not able to go watch the new Blade Runner, I rewatched Demolition Man because I found it in a charity shop for 75p. (laughs) Good. Amazing. That film is just as good as it ever was. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad it holds up. I haven't seen it in a very long time. It's still utterly, utterly brilliant. And I got a copy of Run, Lola, Run, if you remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1998 German science fiction 
yeah. um, sort of Groundhog Day style, incredibly creative bit of bit of sci-fi, low budget sci-fi. Yeah. So that's next on my list to watch. Cool. Um, anything else? I'll tell you what's not on my list to watch. The next Pacific Rim. Right. Yeah. I, to be I honest, I've, n- for that. I've not seen any of them, and the reaction generally from people that like Pacific Rim seems to be, "Oh, this looks brilliant," but I've never seen any of them, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, if you can imagine something that somebody watched, incredible things like Evangelion. Yeah. You know, Evangelion is a Japanese animated series, which is an incredible existential look at depression and the meaning of what it is to be alive. The director was going through a, a massive depressed period and the show kind of goes completely off the rails. It's incredibly artistic and it's a very strange one. The director doesn't think it's any good. Everyone right. else thinks it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Somebody watched that maybe for like 10 seconds, went, cool, giant robots, aliens. <laughs> And uh-huh. they took some very stereotypical, incredibly two-dimensional characters right. and they made some very, very cool robots. I'll give them that. Very cool robots. Very cool, crazy alien monsters. Yeah. And then that's as far as they thought. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was sort of my feeling was probably yeah. what it was like. And the so sequel I've never had a is basically design. the next generation of people. So more big robots, younger right. people. and <laughs> Younger, more attractive people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've evolved we thought it was all finished but they've come back again um right i'm i'm sure that people will enjoy it but it, it is not a thinking person series right okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> it'll be comfort film for somebody that one yes i'm Big sure action shouty explosions and things yes okay fair enough so I'm not missing a huge amount. Good. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? I was sad to not get to watch the Electric Dreams episodes as they aired on telly. I'm going to have to watch those on catch up. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you'd already seen the one that went out last night. So, okay. Because that was the Steve Buscemi one. Which uh, was the other one that's been on? You missed the commuter. That was really good, that one. That's the um, Timothy Spall one. Okay. Um, you've missed that one. So that was really good. The one Sunday night was the Steve Buscemi one, which they showed us at the premiere. And then there was the one set in space. Did you see that one before you left? I can't remember. No. Okay, so, so I'm, you've, still, you've I'm several got behind two. then. Yeah, so you've got two to catch up on then, not three, because you have you saw the first one, didn't you? So, yeah. so you're missing two and three are the ones that you're missing. The uh, second one is, is really good. And uh, the, the third one, I think, is probably been the best one so far. The commuter I really enjoyed. I thought that was, that was fabulous. But yeah, and then the Steve Buscemi one last night, which is also brilliant as well. So it's awesome. turning into a really good series that it generally... Once people got used to the idea that Philip K. Dick kind of all his stuff doesn't seem to have an end to it it just kind of stops <laughs> once people kind of got over that uh, the the reaction seems to have been fairly positive from what i could tell so yeah it's not surprising really based on on the stuff we'd seen before i left yeah yeah so yeah i it's uh it's been really good i'm really enjoying it. it's about to launch in america as well because they've been pushing it quite hard at uh, New York Comic Con this weekend. Cool. What else have you been watching this week? Star Trek Discovery. Uh, now, are you a Star Trek person? I'm... I, I am a Star Trek person. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, so you won't have caught any... I was about seven. Yes. I, so I, you won't have seen any of these yet, though, will you? No. Uh, no. It's really good, this series. Really, really good. Uh, it's been interesting talking to a few people that have never seen Star Trek, like Matt, who had never seen Star Trek before. He's started watching this and he's actually really enjoying it he describes it as star trek for his generation and that makes me feel old <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I object <laughs> yeah well uh, hey we're the same age so uh, but uh, yeah no i mean i i kind of know what he means about that it is it isn't star trek 
as you would have known it before. It does still feel very much like Star Trek. There's still a lot of the tropes and bits and pieces in there that you would expect. And there's a lot of, of fan service of things like one of the characters has a tribble on its desk. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's bits and pieces like that. But, is it in the same kind of feel as the, the movie reboots or is it got um, more of a TV feel or... <sighs> That's tricky. It, it's sort of a mixture of, of both. It's not really in the movie feel. It, it's, it's sort of its own thing, I would say. It's a lot, lot darker than you would expect for a Star Trek. Um, okay. The opening two episodes, I think we, yeah, we've said before, the opening two episodes are quite interesting because they're kind of a prequel to the actual start of the series. You know, the opening two episodes are, are, are kind of setting up everything that is going to come for the rest of the show. Yeah, um, kind of in the way Battlestar Galactica did with their reboot. Yes. They yeah, had that, that mini-series first. Yeah, it, it's almost, those first two episodes are like almost a separate little mini-series, like a, a, you know, a season on its own. And then it gets into the actual main show when they introduce the Discovery, because the first two episodes don't t- take place on the Discovery. That's kind of interesting. It's also taken an almost Walking Dead kind of feel of and nobody is safe in it as well which you know compared to the i can think of one or two occasions when they've actually killed off major characters or sort of quite high profile characters in the original series or the next generation series whereas this seems to be quite happy to introduce people that you think are going to be around for a while and then get kind of killed off fairly quickly you know and they're not wearing red and they're not wearing red no no there's no obvious red shirt kind of pointing them out you know so that's kind of interesting as well it's got a much more modern sensibility to it which is kind of interesting as i say i said before it's set 10 years before the original series Uh, it doesn't necessarily blend particularly well with the original series but i kind of think that's forgivable because it's very difficult to blend it into something that was made in the 60s so i think that's okay it's still got its sort of own unique feel it's not like the bridges on the ships are enormous or anything like they were in next generation they you know it, it still feels like it could be part of that timeline it's just sort of you know obviously technology moves on to a certain extent so but the characterizations are very interesting you've got the uh, female lead which is uh, michael burnham and uh samik and Martin green he's fantastic in that role uh, jason isaacs as the captain of the discovery is brilliant and a really interesting character so it's got some very interesting characterizations i i will be looking forward to seeing what you think of it because i'm thoroughly enjoying it i think it's a really well put together series yeah the trailers looked really interesting and i mean with the i know it's not you know entirely connected to the movies but with the new movies i liked the first one and the last one yes i think that that's fair (laughs) um khan was terrible but you know the last movie felt almost like it was a really big budget tv series movie yes it it did in Um, a good way in a good way in a very likable good way and seeing that and seeing the trailers for this i do have quite a lot of high hopes for this i mean it has to be better than the last tv outing for star trek i mean it it is i i think unquestionably it is uh it's interesting i think with the movies like you say with the last one it felt like a sort of updated big budget reboot of the tv series with the last movie which is, is great whereas you're dealing with a very different animal with the new discovery series 
and it, it sort of doesn't feel like it's, it feels like it's sort of connected to the TV series, but it's a, it's very much its own entity. So I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what you think about it, I think. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's something that I, I think that there's always more life in Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Because it has such a vast world and so many different races and because they're not, I mean, they do interlink all the series and things, but unlike some other things, they don't feel the need to have everything perfectly match up. Things work very standalone. The different Star Trek series you can watch yeah. pretty independently. And they haven't been afraid to shake up the format before. Deep Space Nine, everyone got up in arms because it wasn't on a ship. Actually, that's my favorite series. Yes. And they do seem to be capable of updating their franchise and making quite drastic changes when they need to. Yeah. And I think that's very much, much in their favor. Yeah. And I think this is a really good step in that direction. Um, you know, as I say, much darker, not really what you'd expect from a Star Trek series, but really well-written TV. So, uh, yeah, I will look forward to seeing what you think of that. It's well worth watching. Other things this week, I've been watching uh, Rib 104, which I mentioned before, which is this anthology series, which has come onto Sky Atlantic. Basically, the connecting tissue between the episodes is they're all set in Room 104 of this kind of seedy motel. The first episode had kind of a supernaturally feel to it. It was about a girl who's hired to come and look after this very odd young boy when his dad goes out to on a date for the night and it gets kind of progressively stranger from there the one this week has a a pizza guy turn up delivering a pizza and it's seemingly the uh the guy hasn't got any money on him so he goes out to get money at which point the wife tries to seduce the pizza guy but there's something very odd going on there as well and the stories are all very different the only real connecting factor is is the that the, they're set in this hotel room so they're all like almost little mini plays because the action doesn't move out of that room it's a really interesting series it's incredibly well written what's that airing on who made that uh it's a hbo show it's airing on sky atlantic over here i think it's saturday nights it runs so but yeah worth going to catch up it's a very interesting anthology series that but it's called room 104 that one also this week started uh, dimension 404 which is another anthology series this is is much closer to being a kind of light-hearted version of black mirror i would say or the outer limits, or something of that sort of nature. That's an interesting description—a light-hearted mm-hmm. version of Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> almost it, an oxymoron there. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, it's it's very much those sort of uh, science y kind of slightly near future things. Uh, the first episode is based around a uh, guy who's looking for love and uh, uses an app to find what's supposed to be his perfect match and what happens to him from that point onwards it's got kind of guest actors coming in every week the stories are different every week it's very much in the same vein as something like black mirror but it's done with a slightly more comedic and slightly lighter kind of feel but very watchable you know it's obviously lower budget as well i would say but it it was very very watchable and fun and uh good entertaining slightly off the wall tv i thought i I really enjoyed that and the gifted started this week as well which is the x-men ish spin tv show uh which is is dealing with more street level mutants it's about a uh, family who discover that both their children are mutants slightly complicated by the fact 
that the father in the family is is part of the unit that's supposed to be chasing down mutants. So when they find out that the kids are both mutants, it, it ends up with them going on the run and they discover this mutant underground, which is these people that are, are trying to sort of make sure the mutants are safe and getting them to safe harbour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it's, it's really well put together. It feels very connected to the X-Men film universe. I mean, it's, it's by Brian Singer anyway, so that sort of makes sense. But that's running on Fox at the moment and, and well worth going to catch up with if you've not caught that yet. I have to think if I'm going to watch that one or not. Yeah, I, mean, I love Legion and things like that, but I vehemently and quite an unpopular opinion dislike the X-Men movies. Yeah, so you might not get on with that then. That might be worth avoiding because it isn't Legion at all. I mean, it's it's not that kind of weird off-the-wall thing that, that Legion is. Much as I love Legion, it doesn't feel like the part of the same universe even though technically it is. Whereas The Gifted definitely feels like it's sort of part of that whole the whole X-Men thing. I mean, it's a good cast in it and very enjoyable to watch. So I, yeah, I don't want to write it off just because I yeah. dislike the movies. Yeah, I well, might give a few episodes a go and see see I, how it feels. Yeah, I would I would say try that. Try that. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And uh, movie-wise, I did go and see Blade Runner. What can you say that hasn't already been said about Blade Runner 2049? It is a masterpiece. It's, what, two and three-quarter hours long and you don't feel it in the slightest beautifully shot wonderfully acted it feels like a brilliant continuation of the original i don't really know what you can say about it that people haven't already said but when people say it is a masterpiece it is it's truly stunning and really well put together so i go out and see it it's it's superb i don't think if, if... i'd been conscious i would have seen it <laughs> if you... everyone's been saying to me that it's utterly beautiful it definitely needs to be seen in the cinema yeah. and Quite a few people said to me that the trailers didn't really do it justice. Yeah, possibly. That is possibly true. I mean, it's certainly oh, you saw it in the cinema and it's, I mean, it's absolutely stunning. But there is a reasonable story there. I mean, it's it's sort of light-ish on plot, but only in the same way that the original was a little bit light on plot. I'm not doing that as a sort of negative thing. You know, if you actually look at what happens in the entire story, th there isn't actually that much that happens, but it's done in such a beautifully stylish way and compelling way that that's not really a problem you know <laughs> if that makes sense it was always about the idea and the ambiance and yeah. capturing that style and kind of character pieces it wasn't yeah it sounds a strange thing to say but in a lot of ways it wasn't about the plot the plot was there to facilitate the other aspects they were they were putting forward yeah and that's and I, how i always felt about the original yes and i i think the sequel does exactly that as well so uh, you know i think it, it's a the perfect sequel to the original movie i think it works really really well well worth going to see and uh, as you mentioned before the lot of trailers as well that have come out this week mainly because it's been new york comic con a few that are dropped happy the trailer for happy dropped have you watched this yes i as soon as they announced they were making it i mean there's been a quite a few things that they've that have got um you probably probably further down on the uh piece of paper that i'm looking at at the moment but um yeah there are so many things that are, are coming out that are really interesting choices i keep looking at things going really <laughs> yeah. they're, they're making that that's awesome don't get me wrong but i, I i'm quite surprised are they actually going to do it and then i saw the trailer for happy and i'm like yeah they, they are actually going to do that Yes, yeah. This um, is cool. I mean, I kind of watched the trailer for Happy thinking, 
I'm sure somebody's been watching episodes of Preacher for this because <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is there is a certain similar feel to uh, to this. I think they say in the trailer they're putting the graphic in graphic novel because I mean the the sort of blood and guts all over the place and uh, yeah the the really kind of in the face titles and and that sort of stuff. They've managed to pull off the kind of imaginary flying horse. Uh, I think they've. He is suitably annoying. Yes, he is suitably annoying, as he's supposed to be. For those of you that don't know Happy, it's basically about a uh, man who is a former cop and is turned into a hitman. He's kind of depressed and doesn't really care whether he lives or dies, ends up getting himself shot whilst on the gurney. He kind of gets brought back to life, wakes up, and he's confronted by this relentlessly positive, happy, little imaginary flying horse, that little blue flying horse called Happy, who is the imaginary friend of a girl who's gone missing and he's sort of trying to get him to go and save the girl is is the kind of basic premise of it. So it's an utterly ridiculous story. It's from Grant Morrison, who writes these stuff brilliantly. And he's actually co-written the script as well. So, you know, I, I... I'm so looking forward to that. It's a sci-fi show, so hopefully sci-fi over here will get it, or at least somebody over here will get it. I will be interested to see how that goes down with the public, because I thought that was superb. Um, what other trailers have you seen this week? The Awful Pacific Room, like I mentioned. Um, oh, I can't even remember that. I watched loads of them, but due to jet lag, <laughs> it's hard to tell what I've imagined. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what day of the week it is most of the time. Right, yes. Okay. Um, there's been quite a few trailers. Uh, I noticed uh, there's a, tra- a trailer that I haven't watched yet, which was for Castle Rock, the uh, Stephen King TV series. So there's that come out. There's been a few others pop up as well. So we'll uh, What's keep... What's the a- film where they miniaturise everyone? Downsizing, something like oh, that. Oh, yes. No, I haven't caught that one as well, but yes. There I is saw a- the trailer for that and it looked brilliant. And then I read a review by someone I respect explaining how it's the most mundane, boring and lacklustre way to explore the concept ever. Oh, that's a shame. And, and then I was like, oh, because I thought <laughs> that, they, that like, there was potential in the in the trailer it's definitely an incredibly interesting idea but Mm. apparently they don't explore any of the politics and the world changing things that would come with the the concept and it just turns into a kind of standard drama somehow that's a shame oh well which which i was quite shocked by because that one looked like it could be an interesting one yeah that's a shame yeah so uh i mean if we you can tell we're we're coming into the new tv season because there are a lot of of uh, new shows starting and there's a lot of trailers about uh, there is also a trailer for end of the effing world as well there's a couple of trailers popped up for that which uh, was originally going to be on E4 and now is going to premiere on Channel 4 for one episode and then the rest of it's all going straight onto all four, apparently. But that looks particularly dark and interesting, I thought. So if you've not caught the trailer for that, that's uh, that's again another comic book adaptation, although it's a very dark comic book. I don't think you'd, you wouldn't necessarily call it a comic book adaptation, that one, I don't think. So that's all the stuff we've been watching this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> So kicking off with the air date updates and the TV and film news this week, we've got uh, Major Crimes have been cancelled after six seasons. Not a show I ever watched. It kind of got lost in the deluge of of, uh, criminal procedural things that is out there at the moment. It's a sort of CSIE kind of, (laughs) you know, it's one of those sort of shows, so I never actually caught up with it. But uh, yes, that's that's going to have one final season. Originally, it sounded like they'd brought it to an end, but uh, having read some stuff since then, it sounds like it wasn't the uh, show creator's idea. So... um, 
Yeah, they weren't massively happy about having to end it. Although it sounds like they ha- they are going to be able to conclude it properly because they were given enough time to do it, but it wasn't their decision. We've finally found out that the um, uh, White Princess, which is the follow-up to the White Queen, which ran on BBC over here and then BBC dropped out. So the uh, stars who were the US partner decided to make the sequel on their own. And then it never really found a home back over here. So it's been kicking around for ages. But The White Princess is going to come to UK TV drama from Saturday the 11th of November at 9pm. I think they've also got the White Queen as well. So I assume they're running that beforehand. So you should be able to catch up with both if you've not seen those. But they were very good. And uh, there was another bit of news that dropped last week. Noel Clarke is developing a kid adulthood TV series. Um, Don't really know an awful lot more about it than that. But uh, yeah, this is based on on his movie trilogy, uh, his Hood trilogy that he made, started quite a while back, but uh, he made Kid Adulthood and then uh, Adulthood and Brotherhood, I think, were the three films. I think that could make quite an interesting TV show. On to bigger news, though. Netflix has given a 10-season order to a superhero drama called Raising Dion, which is uh, 10 episodes straight to series order. It's based on a short film about an African-American single mother who discovers her young son has multiple constantly changing abilities. It's the brainchild of commercial music director Dennis Liu, who created the comic book as well, that went with it and directed the short film, which became a viral hit. Carol Barbie, who has worked on Unreal and Jericho and Touch, she's serving as showrunner. Michael B. Jordan, who you know from Creed and the Fantastic Four remake, he's also exec producing and taking the role of the husband who, by the sounds of it, gets killed off quite early because that's the whole sort of point is she's raising the uh, kid by herself. So I I don't know. This this is an interesting choice, I thought, for Netflix. Yeah, I've not seen the original short film. No. It's something I need I need to look up because it sounds like it's quite an interesting one, something that's actively trying to be a bit different and look at the sort of superhero thing from another perspective. Yeah, I, I think this could be uh, quite good. It's, say, Michael B. Jordan as part of it. Uh, Cindy Holland, who's the vice president of original content at Netflix, said, we haven't had this type of superhero story before. It's an origin myth full of imagination, wonder and adventure, all grounded in the experience of a modern, modern single mother. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is an excellent and dynamic talent. I'm excited to see him, Carol and the team, translate Dennis's unique vision to television so yeah i i mean this sounds like it could be kind of different and interesting and uh you know sort of partly based on a comic book partly based on a short film and netflix rarely kind of gives that sort of order out to something unless they're relatively sure about it so uh so yeah i i think it's it's nice to see them branching out yeah 10 episodes is a good length for that kind of story as well yes yeah i i think seeing this more and more of of the uh a lot of things are getting cut down to sort of 16 and 10 episodes rather than being like 22 23 episode things yeah i mean they still do it with the main dc shows but you're seeing this sort of less and less of of the uh, really really long runs and i think that's that's quite good it means they're not having to pad out like stories quite so much which is good yeah definitely it means that i think stories quite often they either get shortened too much when they put into film or when they're on, on tv they used to always get drawn out too much and that's how filler episodes got invented and now things moving away from that as i've said many times before i think it's a, it's a much better move for actually creating good quality television and allowing television to sort of be above just 
trying to make something people tune into every week for as long as possible and actually making things that are of much more artistic vision and, and, and allowing that medium to, to come back to being respected yeah. as, as much as it should be. In a world where things are turning into reality TV and somebody's got some possible talent, endless things, yeah. it's, it's good to see that stuff like Netflix and these on-demand services are allowing TV to get back to being good. Yes. Basically. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm too jet lagged to come up with any better terminology than that. <laughs> it just means that this might be good. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Over on Fox, they picked up a new medical drama called Strange Conditions. And whilst, you know, usually we wouldn't kind of, you know, you'd think, oh, well, it's another medical drama, so what? But the interesting thing with this one is the people behind it is Danny Strong, who many people will still remember as being in Buffy, but uh, he's also the writer-producer of Empire, and he wrote the Hunger Games Mockingjay. He was also wrote Lee Daniels' The Butler as well, and uh, many, many other things. So he he went from being kind of this, this little actor playing Jonathan in uh, Buffy and uh, has become this kind of mega writer-producer. So it's him and the producers of This Is Us as well, which is a massive, massive hit series and is brilliant, uh, absolutely superb drama. So I thought having those guys behind it, it sounds like it could be quite interesting. The premise is slightly sci-fi as well because it's described as being set five minutes in the future, it takes place in the New York Institute of Experimental Medicine on the bleeding edge of biotechnology and a little beyond. These whiz kids take on the most singular cases, medical mysteries that make your jaw drop, each an expert in their own field, medical bioethics, law and psychology with healthy egos our team clashes in their battle to cure the incurable and expand the boundaries of nature just because they can do something does it that mean they should so that's the pitch for it the writer of the series is a guy called wes jones who is the writer and producer of showtime's brilliant series billions starring damian lewis and paul giamatti so I think, you know, with that guy writing it, with those producers behind it, I, I don't know. And, and it is an interesting sort of, it's a bit housey, the concept, I guess, but with a slight kind of sci-fi twist to it. I, I thought this sounded like a quite interesting show. It sounds pretty interesting. I think for me, it's going to depend on how they're approaching it. It, it could, from that description, it could be one of a number of very different shows. Yes, yeah. So I think that this is one we're definitely going to have to wait to see this pilot to really know what what direction that one's going to go in. I think for me the uh, the next item on our, our list to discuss is the more exciting of the uh, <laughs> yeah. of the news. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, finishing off that strange conditions has been given a put pilot commitment by Fox, which basically means that Fox fork out a shed load of cash if it, if they don't actually put the pilot somewhere. So um, there's a good chance that that will get pipped up to series. I would have thought. But yes, moving on to the uh, last story this week, Channel 4 have confirmed they are developing a V for Vendetta series. Yes. <laughs> um, which is this a superb is idea. awesome news. Yeah. Yes, it is absolutely. I mean, I do I do like the movie of V for Vendetta. Yeah, so I did I. really enjoy that film, but they had to do quite a lot of things to make it into a movie format. Yes. And it, it is an enjoyable piece, but it, it was quite different to the comic book and it's something that needed more breathing space really so the idea of this this coming to a series 
is absolutely brilliant, especially now in the current yeah. state of the world with all of the current things going on in the world. Yes. I yeah. think it's going to be really, really interesting to see things like this, especially of how amazing The Handmaid's Tale was and yes. how they updated bits of that to bring in current politics and ideas and things. Yeah. I think this is probably one of the most exciting bit of TV news I've heard in a long time. I'm really encouraged by this. The guys at Channel 4, as we've seen by things like Electric Dreams and yeah, various other series they've created, uh, yeah, I mean, you look back at some of their stuff like, I mean, they were the originators of Black Mirror, of, of supporting Black Mirror. They've made Humans, Utopia as well, which is a fantastic series. Yeah, Utopia is amazing. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that Channel 4 has really been the people backing it. And I think, you know, with them behind it for a V for Vendetta series, this could be something really, really good. I mean, for those of you that, that haven't seen the movie and don't know the comic book, it's set in a near future where the UK is controlled by a fascist government. They maintain order through concentration camps and killing anybody that opposes them. But there is one thorn in their side who is a guy in a Guy Fawkes mask called V. It's an anarchist revolutionary who embarks on a very elaborate and theatrical revolution campaign to bring down the fascist state and their so-called democracy the inspiring people to anarchy instead one of the people he inspires is a girl called Evie Hammond who is a young woman who becomes his protege I mean it, it's superb writing I mean the, I love the original book and have done for years and years since it you know originally came out so I've been a huge fan of the book I really like the film although I have I'm entirely in agreement with you the biggest problem with it was like anything is trying to squash that stuff into into two hours is or two and a half hours it's really difficult and I think they did a good job with it I just with any comic book adaptation it needs room to breathe I think and this comes on the back of of the the fact that I mean the original book was uh, Alan Moore and David Lloyd and this comes on the back of the fact that HBO are producing a Watchmen series based on Alan Moore's work as well which again is another thing that suffered quite badly from the fact that it didn't have enough breathing room and you just can't fit that the amount of content that's in that book into a film. So, yeah, I think both of these series sound brilliant, but I'm particularly encouraged by the V for Vendetta because I think its timing is superb for it and it's got very much got the right people behind it, I think. Yeah, Channel 4 are not afraid to be edgy in, in the real sense, not in the kind of trendy sense. Yeah. Um, and put things out there because there was stuff in Utopia that was kind of surprising they included it because it is so critical of current political political states and government and the way the systems can be manipulated and very real in something that's slightly sci-fi they managed to keep things very very real and relevant yeah yeah I'm really really excited for this one Yes, so am I. I mean, at the moment, we haven't got any information about who's developing, you know, when it's likely to turn out. The story kind of leaked, and I actually called Channel 4 and said, is this actually true? And all they could say to me said, yes, it's incredibly early stages, so I can't really say anything other than confirming that it is in development. So, so you know, uh, it, it could be a couple of years before we see anything of this. But um, yeah, I, I think it's certainly timely, if nothing else. And uh, I really think that they could do a superb job with it. So uh, very much looking forward to that. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Next up, we have an interview. <laughs> 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The interview this week is with the cinematographer Marlon Todd Williams, who is the cinematographer for Legends of Tomorrow, which is coming back to Sky One on Wednesday, the 18th of October at 8pm, along with all the other Arrowverse shows. He's actually one of two cinematographers on Legends of Tomorrow, because they always have two, which we explain in the interview. So with season three just around the corner, we talk about things that have changed over the past couple of years, what's it like working within the Arrowverse, also there's some news about what the legends will be getting up to and places they will be going in the new season we also chat a a little bit about his artwork because he's got some brilliant brilliant artwork that he's been doing which you can see up on his instagram account so here's the interview with marlon we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week Hi, David. Hi, Marlon. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you for spending a bit of time to to come and talk through Legends again. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. It's uh, I was just checking uh, almost a year to the date that we chatted last. Yeah, yeah. It was last November, November mm-hmm. last year. So, uh, what have you been up to in the last year? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we finished off um, season two in March, I guess. And then after that, I took the hiatus off and um, I was in Hawaii for about a month and I was traveling around a little bit, sort of vacationing and um, just uh, was enjoying actually the, I live in Kits in Vancouver, which is about eight blocks away from the beach. So (laughs) the weather was great in June. So I actually got to spend some time hanging out down there, which uh, it's unusual for me to actually be able to make it down there in the summertime nice cool so yes bit of holidaying then then and uh you're you're back on uh, i'm assuming you're you're already shooting uh legends season three at the moment then yeah we're almost halfway through the season actually oh, in wow. about a two or three weeks it'll I think that'll be the official halfway point. Wow, <laughs> that's that's quite a way through. You've got some uh, interesting stuff coming up from the bits and pieces I've managed to see anyway for the new season because you've got a new thing called the Time Bureau, which is has been added for this season, which looks like it could be quite good fun. Yeah, the writers and the have uh, amped up our storylines. We thought it was busy last year shooting the show, and this year it's it's more so, which is great. And the timelines that we get to go to that I've been able to go to so far this season are um, it's been fantastic it's like 1870 states 1897 England um, you know Vietnam in 1967 oh cool so we've been we've been flying all over the place um, so far this season I, I haven't seen anything for after the I we're prepping my next episode which starts late next week shooting right um, but other than that um, story wise I haven't heard or seen exactly where my episodes will be heading so I'm curious to see what um, what other adventures the writers are going to send us on but um, 
the big time period jumps are always fun because it gives all the departments um, a chance to be able to, you know, weigh in and, and you know, creatively, it, everybody seems to, um, you know, step up and do great work. This season's been solid, though. Everything from hair, makeup, wardrobe to um, even the background casting was fantastic, especially on the first episode that we did, the P.T. Barnum episode. Um, yeah. yeah, it looked like a feature film that we were shooting. It was it was pretty amazing. I was going to say uh, the P.T. Barnum episode is episode two, isn't it? So uh, I think so, because just for people that didn't hear the interview the first time around, you're one of two cinematographers because there's so many so much work to do you flip backwards and forwards so you do alternate episodes don't you that's how it works exactly yeah one of us is shooting while the other one is prepping the the next episode and yeah the shows the episodes are so big that um it would be extremely tough to i mean it's it's a busy schedule with two of us working on it i can't imagine trying to shoot every episode (laughs) yeah no i that seems quite common certainly on bigger shows that they have at least two people that they they flip backwards and forwards between. So you're doing the the PT Barnum. You did the PT Barnum episode. That must have been fun because I'm assuming that's got circus stuff involved. If it's PT Barnum. Oh yeah, it was. Um, yeah, 1870s, and we had a massive set built. You know, close to our soundstage, and I'd say half the episode was probably shot on it. And when you step into it, it was like you were walking into an actual circus with the. <laughs> everything that they had they had shipped up a bunch of stuff from LA there's a company down there that rents the tents the the murals yeah. everything from for circuses and so we we got a, a majority of our stuff from there there was a, a bunch of stuff that was built here the wardrobe department hand sewn almost all the costumes even the background extras um wow all that yeah it's amazing the the machine behind uh you know, getting, and I think the, at least the one promo that I saw, there's a, probably a half a dozen shots from that episode in that one promo. Wow. So they were obviously happy with it. So. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was everybody. We, I mean, we got there and just walking around and it's fun to yeah, actually, you know, when you're on the set, it really feels like you're in that time period and it, you know, it helps the actors and yeah. it helps look at the show. And, and it's just fun being able to, um, you know, step onto set and it, it really feels like you're in an actual location. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say the legends out, out of the Arrowverse shows has, has fast become my favorite one, I think just because it's it's so fun compared to the others you know arrow gets very serious and and flash got kind of serious last season and and supergirl's fine but legends i i just i think the humor is so well written in that show oh yeah no it's good they have uh this season they seem to have really sort of dialed in the uh the mix of you know, drama and comedy within each of the episodes. And it seems to be the mandate down south that that's the direction they want to take the show in. And and it seems like all the the storylines and the characters all lends itself to not being a fully serious TV show or stories that they're telling. And and, uh, I just... You know, it's fun to shoot it and I'm sure it's fun to watch it too because, you know, it's not a super heavy, dark down, the entire episode isn't like that. There, You know, there's drama in it. and um, yeah. But uh, so far, every episode that I've read so far this season, that's the same um, take on it. And it, I don't think it's going to change for the rest of the season. It'll, they'll keep that uh, 
that tone. I do enjoy that show, the show a lot. I, I think it's it's really good fun. Are you more episodes this season as well? It is by one. Right now, we did 17 episodes last season, and I, it's 18 right now. Okay. That may, that may change, but right now, that's um, we're they've added one more episode to to our schedule and. Which is great. Um, I think Arrow and Flash do 22 or 23 episodes. Yeah. yeah. But um, I'm not quite sure what the reasoning is behind that. I think part of it is financial. I think our show financially is just a little more expensive to create. I, so I can imagine. Yeah, we have to keep it uh, a few shorter episodes just to uh, spread that money out on fewer episodes to give us the ability to like the England episode that I did, we had to build an English street in the studio <laughs> for, from 1897. Right. Which was amazing. Again, like walking onto the set, it was like you walked onto a feature film that the, the designer and the constructions people, you know, set deck, everybody put together an awesome set. And we, you know, we ended up shooting the entire day for two or three scenes just on that one location which is more of a feature film schedule than a tv schedule yeah that's crazy what's the sort of split between doing studio work and location work for you you on on that show because as you say you have a lot of i mean you seem to be building a lot of stuff in the studio but do you actually end up going out to shoot stuff as well it depends on the episode but so far i would say out of nine shooting days, five of them are generally out of the studio on a location. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, in, in terms of the look of the show as well, because you're on your third season now, from right. from your side of things, has that evolved a lot over three seasons? How we, I guess, physically shoot the show hasn't really changed that much, but the, the thought process behind it has just, it's been a little more focused that as we get the scripts and there's you know you read it and it's more of a specific genre that we're trying to step into we really play into that and we you know you try and do some research on references um, that work for the episode you're shooting and we you know we try to recreate the feel and the look and some of it is within for me some of it's within the lighting some of it's within some of the camera settings that we've used or the lenses We'll bring in different lenses, um, like the English episode 1897. We changed up the standard lenses that we were using. We we switched those out for the street just to give it a bit more of a, a feel of that time period to right. have it out a little more so from how we normally shoot sort of the Waybrider, which is a very nice clean slick feel to it but um to try and give it a bit more of um like you make it feel like you're really there like you shouldn't yeah. really notice what we're doing you should just it's more that you feel that it's you're in that time period and if you've been able to do that then the combination of what we've done or chose to change has worked out if you if you're shooting england i think i think you just you take the color out to make it slightly grayer and just make it rain <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that's well certain times of the year that's almost vancouver uh, <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> yeah so but a lot of the stuff we did on that episode in particular uh took place at night too so the, you know you had that on top of it and right. you know london fog we had to create and <laughs> but it's it's fun and um as soon as you read the breakdown of the stories it's for me that's 
the, when I start getting excited about what we're going to do and I'll start trying to make, you know, open up a file on the computer and put some visual references in there. So as soon as the director's in town, we can start talking about what we're going to attempt to do, what we have the time to do and, um, you know, try and make it stand out differently from um, other episodes that um, have aired. And it's, you know, it's all based on the story that we're telling too. So that that's the main thing that dictates what we're going to do or how we're going to attempt to tackle it technically how, how much stuff do you try and get in camera opposed to sort of having cgi work because i imagine as you say it's, it's not the cheapest show to make so i imagine if you can get more stuff in camera that means you don't have to have cgi done on top that's probably quite good from a cost point of view if nothing else yeah for sure and it, it's it's sort of an ongoing debate about like the episode we're doing now we're talking about creating a uh, there's a scene that takes place and we we need to create an environment and there's an option of doing a bunch of it in CG right? and or we could possibly do it practically. And we've had to come up with about five different versions of how we could do it practically to tell the story as opposed to using CG because it's a it's an environment that is going to eventually be returned to in later episodes. So even though we may only have one scene in our episode, whatever we set financially will dictate what you're going to be able to do or not do in later episodes. Yeah. If it's a one-off thing, you can kind of do whatever you need to do, whether it's practically or CG wise to, you know, make it look cool and tell the story. But if you start adding in that we have to come back two or three times and over the course of a couple of episodes and we need to recreate this again, that, you know, suddenly if every shot is a CG shot, then suddenly the dollar signs, you know, start popping up. And and, um, <laughs> and then if we can figure out how to make it look cool and tell the story they want to tell practically, everybody's more than excited if we can wrangle that. Just sometimes what has to happen is just almost physically impossible to do practically. Practically. So it's it's a bit of a mix and we're always looking at trying to do something different and hopefully whether it's CG or practical, again, it's one of those things where you when you watch the show, you just get caught up in the story and you don't even sort of notice whether we did it practically or in CG, um, yeah. which I think is the best if, you know, whether it is CG, if we can figure out how to do it so that you're not looking at it going, oh, that's a cool CG shot. You're just looking at it going, you're in that moment moment in the story yeah. so what's been the biggest challenge so far for you this season i guess figuring out the looks of the shows yeah and then coming up with something uh within the genre and then also finding other references for the episode that we're making but not just going and doing a direct copy of that stuff like coming up with a twist on that or taking a piece from two or three different elements and putting it together and then creating something brand new, I guess, has been um, creatively, that's probably, it's the fun thing to do, you know, on the show for me is that you're constantly being asked to be creative with the show. And it's, it's not easy sometimes, but it's that that is why I got into the industry is to be creative and use that portion of um, your skills to be able to pull that stuff off. Speaking of being creative, 
Here's a mm-hmm. nice segue. Um, <laughs> I, I hear your the other thing that you've you've been doing recently is you've just opened an art gallery. Well, I, I had a gallery show. Oh, in- gallery show. Yes, sorry, that was yeah. it. It's looking at your Instagram, you've got quite a lot of sort of abstract paintings and stuff on there, which I, I which I'm assuming are all yours. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure every almost every one of them. But there might be one or two in there yeah. that I just used as a reference or something but i think almost all of that was painted in season two of the show and i would come home from work almost every night and paint whether it was two in the morning four in the morning ten at ten at night uh sometimes i would paint for 15 minutes sometimes i'd paint for an hour hour and a half and and then i started posting stuff and and i got a good response from it and over the course of the year i started to come up with this idea that i wanted to have a gallery show yeah with a bunch of the paintings which i ended up doing in july and i had it in a, a gallery in vancouver and of all places um the crazy thing for me at the gallery show was is that it's the charlie ross so is the gallery in Vancouver that the event was held at. And they have, they brought in a Salvador Dali exhibit, which was there while my exhibit was on. So we actually had to take Dali work off <laughs> to put my stuff up, um, which I thought was kind of funny and ironic. And it started to make me sweat actually when we were taking the stuff off the walls. Cause I was like, well, whatever I did better at least be okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. or I'm going to get you know, slaughtered, um, with my stuff hanging up against his. And then there was some Chagall stuff on off to the side. And in the middle of the gallery, there was podiums where there was little statues that Dali had made. So they were still there hanging around, but it was good. It was, um, it was a fun event and lots of people, uh, big, uh, quite a big mix of people showed up to the event and I sold a few pieces and I'm in the middle of actually printing a, uh, a print of one of the paintings on t-shirts right now. Cause uh, two huh. of the directors that worked with the Saska sisters had requested that they liked one of my paintings and they said that they would love to see it on a t-shirt. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'm making a t-shirt now with my paintings <laughs> on it. So that all that sort of came out of it. Um, I started out painting watercolors at the beginning of the season and then it segued into acrylic and then it sort of segued into ink and acrylic. And the beginning of season three, I started painting with oils. Um, so and it's also gone from it started out the size of a postcard and now it's three foot by three foot uh, that I'm doing. I'm sitting here actually in my front room of my apartment and half of my apartment now I can't even walk into because all of the space is now taken up by frame paintings or uh, stuff drawing and which is great. I, I need to get another space now to actually go and do this work in, but it's, it's been good. I come home at night and it's, it's something I didn't realize that it would do it, but it's, um, the, whatever the switch is for clicking work off and decompressing, uh, yeah. from, from work that that's exactly what it did for me. And which I, as I started painting, I didn't, I started figuring that out. So I almost every night last season, probably from the beginning of July, at least till the first or second week of December, I think I painted every night. And then <laughs> I got a little tired over 
Christmas. And I, I think I cut back to maybe two or three nights a week. As soon as I got back to work in January, I was, I started painting again. And the ironic thing was, is I, w- I had booked a trip to Hawaii for a month and I thought I would get paints and I'd start painting over there. And I thought everything was going to be great. And I did get paints there and I did try and start painting there. But the ironic thing was, is that I, I ended up doing it for two or three days. And then I stopped because for whatever reason, I needed to have done a 12 hour workday or <laughs> <laughs> to really seem to make it flow. So uh, the crazy thing was, is I needed to shoot the show to go and create the paintings. <laughs> And that's that was, funny. Yeah. And that's the one thing with the gallery show. I didn't actually name any of the paintings. What I did as I had a wall that had still frames from a bunch of the episodes that I had shot and it tied in exact to the paintings that were up on the wall. So you could go to the painting and below it was the frames from the episode that I was, so you could see what I was shooting and then what I had created during that episode. (laughs) That's brilliant. Where is the inspiration for the paintings come from? Is it is it sort of feeding back off off what you're shooting, or or is it just sort of you know just as a sort of reference, nice reference point? Um, well, I, th- I think it's kind of both. It's uh, you know, I never when I started each of the paintings, I never really had an end result. I would just sort of start painting. Other crazy thing was, is I found I liked everything that I did, I guess. But the the stuff that I really seemed to connect with happened to be on days where we had the busiest days or the longest days. And I was most tired and I would just come in and, and it was just sort of like a download of how the day went. And it came out in a painting, but there was never really a specific, oh, I'm going to paint this scene or this kind of painting because this yeah. is what we did. But if you look at some of the stills, especially the last couple, the oil paintings, the colors, I guess, that I started painting when I'm looking at the still frame and you, you can see a still frame from the monitor of the street that we did in London, 1897. And the colors in that to me look like they bled into the paintings that I did. Um, <laughs> it's more of a subconscious thing I guess um, the tie between the two but um, yeah I, I there's a connection there but it's it wasn't one that I, I was like oh we were shooting a scene in the circus today so I'm gonna do something with a circus theme to it it was you know sometimes it's super abstract and then other other paintings are almost sort of cartoony characters I guess or like you can see an, an actual character in the painting as opposed to right and I'm not quite sure what happened that day that made me do that or <laughs> but it's uh, it was interesting basically the way they're laid out on Instagram is how I painted them so you can see where my head was when we started prep of season two and then, you know, where my head ended up when we wrapped the season in March. And then I took off and tried to decompress in Hawaii. And then I had to rough it in Hawaii and just go swim in the ocean. and sun. <laughs> just so people can find you, what's your Instagram account if they want to take a look at the paintings? It's under my first name, Malin, M-A-H-L-O-N, and then cinematography. So Malin Cinematography on Instagram. Cool. Yes. So go look at them. There's some really nice abstract paintings out there. They're really cool. So as we usually do when we sort of come to the end of the interview, a few final questions. First of all, I, I mean, I, I would usually ask what you're doing next, but I guess it's more legends. <laughs> well, it it is up until middle, late February, I think. Um, but uh, I'm in loose talks with the Saska sisters, the directors. I did three movies with those guys, two movies and a short. Right. And 
uh, they're in line to do a remake of Cronenberg's Rabbit. And hopefully, if the cards are in our favor, it will happen hopefully mid-hiatus this season, so probably about April or May, and we will all be in Toronto shooting the film out there. Oh, cool. That'll be good. Yeah. And the usual final two questions. What are you watching on TV at the moment? Right now, it's been um, a lot of more sort of reference stuff. I want to get into checking out, and I've heard a million things, especially from the directors that I've worked with on Handmaid's Tale. Yes. It's very yeah, I haven't good. Seen that yet, but I'm I'm dying to check that out. And well, there's a couple of shows that are being shot in Vancouver. Drawing a blank on the name of the one. Um, it's this crazy big sci-fi show that I've seen some stills from in town here. A few people I know work on the show, and they were telling me about it. And I'd like to see uh, Man in a High Castle. Yes. Um, which, again, I haven't uh, haven't been able to check it out this season, but that's that's on the queue also. The last question we usually ask is, uh, if you had the opportunity to work on any show other than the show you're on at the moment, what show would it be? Any other show when it comes to TV, like it would be amazing to have gone at least shot one episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> of course, yes. Uh, like older shows, it would be and Sherlock. I would have loved oh, yeah. to, be, to go and shoot an episode of that. Yeah. Um, Something from way back, like, you know, from the 60s, the Avengers or oh, wow. um, yeah. Saint or something, I think it'd be kind of would have been cool to have shot one of those um, those shows or any of the, um, you know, Twilight Zone would have been an awesome show to have shot. And Man in High Castle in town here, I tried to get my name into the mix for that show. <laughs> that would have been um, fantastic also. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff now. It's amazing. There's a show called I think it's the Get Down. Yes. Yeah. Looked like it would have been an a awesome show to to work on. Um, Hell on Wheels would have been. Oh yeah. yeah. That show would have been a fun show to have worked on. Uh, yeah, just you know, jumping, doing a few different genres. You know, going from a sci-fi show to a, a western, or mm. just mixing it up would be good. Like. Yeah. That's the thing with the hiatus. Um, I, I've been lucky that I've been able to take the last two hiatuses off and just sort of go on vacations, um, which is great. But it's I was constantly looking for something fun, cool and, and different than what we're doing now just to change it up even for a month, you know, yeah. to go practice some different lighting skills or tell a slightly different story just as a bit of a break before you come back and, and get back into time travel and superheroes, which is <laughs> awesome. But um, that is the cool thing about this show is that every ep like the last episode we did was a Vietnam episode. Um, yeah. This episode we're about to do now is Vikings. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's 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 about as varied as it gets yeah. when it comes to stories and and you know the images that we get to create on the show. That that is the great thing is is the, you get a, a nice toy box to be able to open up and play with. I guess. So. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, the the last Instagram picture. Speaking of toy boxes, uh, I saw that. Yeah, you posted a Batman. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a location that we're shooting in. This uh, it's a huge toy store, an independent toy store, and just outside of Vancouver and it's got a bunch of regular toys, I guess on one side. And then the rest of the store actually has like, um, collectible action figures. And, you know, there's a life-size Boba Fett, um, standing in the corner that we have to 
hide because it's in the back of our shots. Um, we're gonna, um, there was actual action figures from our show, Firestorm and Hot Girl were hanging on the wall. And then, you know, there was, they've got all these, you can sort of see in the back of that picture, there was like a Star Wars display and yeah, off to the side, there's like a Death Star actually that was probably about 10 feet oh. uh, you know, I think I know which store this. What's the store called? Can you remember? I think Kevin Smith did a video. He did. Of yes, he did. I watched the video when he did it. It's he amazing did. that place. I can't remember what it's called, but it's an incredible store. Absolutely. Yeah, Kevin Smith was there, and the owner. I was talking to him, and he said Kevin put out a video of him walking around the store talking to the owner. I guess, and yeah. he was a super fan and loved the store. Yeah. No, I seen the video. The store is amazing absolutely yeah. incredible so uh yeah yeah oh well you're, you're shooting a bit in there are you that's awesome yeah we've already bought uh well i bought a couple of things already and i'm probably going to end up buying more stuff on the day that we're shooting there too and it, uh, we had to do a tech survey there yesterday and within about five minutes it sort of broke into chaos because the crew all just sort of started wandering around shopping <laughs> in there and nobody was talking about the shots we were going to do. Everybody was looking for product that the, the toys that they, you know, they hadn't seen and uh, or wanted to buy or the displays in the place are pretty amazing. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, I, I'll have to go in there create a link to the video for that for, for that that kevin did because it, it is amazing that store so uh at some point i will make it to vancouver when i do that will be what definitely one of my stops i think <laughs> yeah it's just uh, i was amazed at the amount of stuff they have a wall display of marvel toys on one side and then they're building another dc side for it and then there is a whole third wall that was almost nothing but star wars and a death star <laughs> and full life-size boba fett's and the you know life-size version of han solo locked in the, the you know the carbon yeah, the carbonite so yeah there's all it was funny i mean that was the, our biggest problem in the store was is what decoration we were going to have to create or build <laughs> to hide all the product that we we didn't have the rights to show so <laughs> right, yeah uh, yes, yeah, yeah, you've got, got to avoid all the Marvel stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, it's, uh, but I'm sure that the before the day is out of us uh, shooting in there, the the store will end up selling quite a bit of stuff <laughs> yeah. from the crew in there alone. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it will. Awesome. Right. Well, I shall let you get um, back to your day. Thank you for spending a bit of time talking. It's always a pleasure. Well, thank you very much. And um, hopefully we will at least do it next year again, or if not sooner. Yes. Yes. That would be awesome. Have a great day. I shall talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. That was the interview with Marlon. Hope you really enjoyed that. Legends of Tomorrow is back on Sky One from Wednesday, the 18th of October at 8 p.m. The show that he was struggling to remember, the sci-fi show that he mentioned as being a show he'd quite like to work on at the end, and he's shooting at the moment quite close to him, was Altered Carbon, the adaptation that Netflix are doing. And you'll be very glad to know, Bex, because I'm sure this is a show you're looking forward to, that yep. the that he's seen a few stills from it and says it looks incredible. So that's certainly, it will look nice regardless of whatever else goes on with it. <laughs> but he's certainly fairly convinced that it, it he's going to be a fantastic series. So um, yeah, look out for Altered Carbon when it comes. I think that's coming next year or it's either next year or the year after. But that's coming to uh, Netflix, one to watch out for. So with the interview over, now let's go on to some highlights for next week on TV. 
So highlights for next week. There's quite a lot of stuff starting next week. We, I think we've we've started to hit full stride of this season now. We've got The Exorcist coming back for its second season on the 11th of October on Sci-Fi UK at 9pm. I didn't, haven't watched any of this, but people tell me it's quite good. So I'm not massively into my horror things. But yes, there's, there's that. Riverdale back for its second season on the 12th of October on Netflix. This has been a really fun adaptation. It's supposed to get like a bit more supernaturally this season, apparently. So, uh, so the uh, the reports are saying, but uh, it, that sounds quite good, and because they're looking at introducing Sabrina the Teenage Witch at some point. Um, really? So, yes. Well, there is you, one of the stories that came out while you're off is they are developing a uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch series based on the horror strand of Archie Comics. This is not the Sabrina the Teenage Witch I remember. <laughs> no, no, this is not the Sabrina the Teenage Witch of the TV show. This is sort of based in a much darker way in the same way that Riverdale is based on a sort of much darker version of Archie. It's a very different kind of show and they're hinting that they may introduce her in Riverdale but it may they may not. It may just be a sort of companion show to it so we'll have to see. But uh, Riverdale itself back for its second season on the 12th of October. Mr. Robot back for its third season on Amazon Prime on the 12th of October as well. This has been a brilliant series really from the start. Rami Malek is incredible. I'm massively behind still. I really, really should have watched this. Yes. I started watching season one. I got about halfway through it and I just, life, I, I don't know why, <laughs> yeah. but I'm massively behind on this series and it looks so good. And what I saw was just so well put together. Yeah, it's really, really good. Rami Malek is amazing. Christian Slater is great as well. I really enjoy that show. So uh, that's back for its third season on Amazon Prime. It will then come later on to broadcast TV, but uh, it was on Amazon Prime first. I, I don't know whether you call this a highlight or not, but Dynasty, I should that I should find out. First season of Dynasty is coming to Netflix for the 12th of October as well. Remake of the classic 80s soap about two feuding very rich families. I might give the first episode to try just to see what it's like because i'm intrigued but uh yes not really you do the... that and then just send me a postcard about it <laughs> yeah, yeah not really the sort of thing i would expect a lot of people here to be watching but uh but yes I'm, I'm just interested to see what whether it's any good or not then red dwarf is back for its 12th season on the 12th of october at uh, 9 p.m lot of things starting on the 12th thoroughly looking forward to this particularly after season 11 did so well uh but i, I think there's some very interesting stuff coming up it's brilliant it's funny it's like going home watching episodes of red dwarf i think it is red dwarf is just it's a wonderfully relatable ridiculous little world yes absolutely so thoroughly enjoyable i had a friend of mine went to norcon which is all the the red dwarf guys and he got to meet them all and chat to them about the series and stuff and he said it sounds amazing so I'm looking forward to that one. Good. I imagine they'll probably be, they're not announced at being at London Comic Con yet, but I can't imagine they won't be at London Comic Con. <laughs> so so uh, I suspect they will be down there. Big Bang Theory season 11, that's starting on the 12th at 8.30 on E4. It's Big Bang Theory. <laughs> what more can you say? Um, there's a new comedy series written by and starring Rosen Conaty about navigating your 30s when you're underprepared called Game Face. That's coming to E4 on the 12th of October at 9pm. I don't know 
any more about it than that so that could be one worth looking at mind hunter is uh, coming for its first season on the 13th of october to netflix this looks like it could be really interesting two members of the fbi's behavioral science unit who are interviewing serial killers to solve crimes kind of part criminal minds part silence of the lambs is the way that it's been describing uh stars jonathan groff from glee and frozen holt mccannelly from blue bloods and csi miami and a toe from fringe exec produced by david fincher who is the genius behind gone girl and the social network and zodiac you know solid cast a really interesting guy exact producing it and sort of behind it and uh, i thought it sounded like a very interesting premise yeah i think it's one where it could be really interesting and i do love all the stuff to do with profiling and and how that side of things works so if it's fairly if it's fairly realistic depending on how they've gone with it then i could find that one really interesting yeah i i think it probably is a uh, particularly with david fincher behind it i i think it's going to be done in a fairly realistic way so uh i yeah i'm i think mindhunter will be a very interesting series to watch out for but that's netflix on the 13th of october over on amazon prime on the 13th of october you've got law starting which is a show we've mentioned a few times Uh, it's based on the podcast series of the same name it's unscripted stories of frightening and psychologically disturbing and often paranormal true events in quotation marks uh which have spawned modern day nightmares it's sort of part true supposedly paranormal events but done with there are actors involved and stuff as well so i i still haven't quite got a handle on exactly what this series is going to be but it, if you're into that sort of thing it could be one worth watching it's sort of weird supernaturally kind of stuff i don't know could be one to keep, keep an eye out for crazy ex-girlfriend back for its third season on netflix on the 14th of october you've got jane the virgin back for its fourth season on uh, netflix on the 14th of october criminal minds back for its 13th season on sky living on the 16th of october at 9 p.m and then we are into the first of the new dc shows uh supergirl back for the third season on sky one on the 16th at 8 p.m flashback on the 17th of october at 8 p.m for season four that i'm very much looking forward to broad city you've got for the full season on comedy central that's on the 17th at 11 p.m I know there was a lot of people waiting for that. And the ninth and final season of The Middle coming to Comedy Central on the 17th at 9pm. So that hugely popular comedy is coming back as well for its final season. Not short of things to watch, I don't think, over the next week. No, well, I can't go anywhere due to the ever-increasing permanent gift of jet lag. I think I'm going to be fairly well entertained. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, So unless you've got anything else to add, I think we'll wrap up for this week. No, I'm good. If you could tell me what day of the week it is, other than that, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, where can people find you other Uh, than under a duvet? Uh, from under their own DVDs, they can look <laughs> up on the internet and find me on Trista Bites on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all of those kind of things. Uh, you can also find me, of course, on the geektown.co.uk website where I post some of my articles and videos where I go to some of the geek events in London. Yes, um, yes. That's about uh, it, really. <laughs> um, so, as you say, for the air dates and latest news, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week to find all the latest stuff. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.